Hello and welcome to episode 69 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. On this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by two great guests from Canada. Actually, the first time we've had Canadians on the show, and that's Darlene Van Sluen and Brenda Moreau. The results from the Klondike Open earlier this month, Canada's only ranking event of 2021, confirmed Darlene as Canada's regional qualifier for the Ladies World Championship at Lakeside in January. And I caught up with her last week to learn a bit more about her as a person and a player to discuss what qualifying for Lakeside means to her, uh, her experiences playing for the Canadian national team at the World Cup, and much, much more. I'm now delighted to be joined by Canada's qualifier for the 2022 WDF World Championships, Darlene Van Sluen. Darlene, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Well, congratulations on qualifying for Lakeside. How are you feeling now? Uh, very excited, super nervous. <laughs> the final event of the season was the, the Klondike Open last weekend, but you weren't actually there for that event. So when did you find out that you'd qualified? Um, well, actually, um, on that note, I was uh, just browsing through Facebook and noticed that uh, I had uh, qualified in the uh, replacing first in Canada and had the, you know, the chance to uh, qualify for Lakeside. Um, but then when I saw your post uh, that I had qualified due to um, the points system uh, where nobody else had had enough to beat me. So that's when I realized it was like, oh, that's amazing that I'm going to actually get to you know, go to the lakeside. What do you think it will mean for you to play on television and on the big stage over in the UK? So I think that's playing on the big stage is something that I've always wanted to do. I mean, I watch it on TV um, and think, wow, that must be a really amazing experience. And to actually have a chance to do that, that's going to be like the ultimate uh, challenge for me as well. And uh, something to shoot to win for. It'll also be a, a significant milestone as well, because only two other Canadian females have played at Lakeside before. And that was Maria Mason and Patricia Farrell. So it's nice as well for you to, to add to your name to that list. Absolutely. Since I play them usually on a regular basis anyway, um, I know Maria and Patricia and they're both, you know, fabulous players. Um, and it's going to be a great honor to, uh, you know, join the ranks of them in on the lakeside. So when you shared the news that you'd qualified for lakeside, what was the reaction from your, your friends and family? Well, my family was super happy. I mean, it's been something they know that, uh, that I've been gearing for, um, you know, it's just another stepping stone in a sense as well, you know, being playing at the worlds and uh, the world cup and other tournaments that I, you know, ramble around to go to and stuff. And it's, it's a passion of mine that I've been doing for quite a few years and, you know, they were all happy. And when I posted it as well on Facebook, I was, uh, overwhelmed by the response that I got from friends and family that, uh, they were all happy for me as well. One of the things that I saw on, on Facebook after you shared the news was that there's been some fundraising efforts already from, from people in your local community. So can you talk to me about those? Yeah, I have a friend, actually. She doesn't even live in, in the same town as I do, but uh, a friend, Aless, uh, her name's Trish, Trish Wright. And uh, as, immediately after, um, she just went ahead and uh, started to do a 50-50 draw for me, and I was really... Uh, you know, happy and humbled by that. 
Um, I know as well there's some tournaments that should be organized as well. Um, also, just want to say that, um, believe it or not, I'm actually not sponsored by anyone. Um, so, looking for a sponsor as well. So, your qualification for Lakeside was actually determined by two events right at the beginning of 2020. That was the, the KW Tri-City Open, which you won, and the Quebec Open, which you got to the final of. But obviously, that was over 18 months ago, during the lockdowns and the pandemic and stuff. Did you realise that those events could lead to you making your Lakeside debut? Um, actually, not really. I was um, very surprised that they actually still counted. I know I was kind of watching how the point systems and stuff were working, but you know, due to the pandemic and everything being locked down um, after March, I just kind of went, well, we'll just, you know, call it a day and work towards the the next season of the 2021. Um, Because in our area, um, we were in in the Ontario area, we were almost the last ones to actually open up for any tournaments and stuff, where I knew other people were playing in in the different provinces and getting points. And I thought, well, you know, no luck in that one, so I'll just hold out and keep practicing and wait for the next season to come up. So I was quite uh, quite very surprised to see that I still held the, the first in Canada and that then qualifying. So it was, it was very, very amazing. So looking back, I want to learn a little bit more about, you know, you and how you got into darts. So what were your first experiences with darts? Uh, well, it's a funny story. Um, I was... Uh, quite young and a friend of mine said hey I'm, we're having a local tournament um, and we're missing a player do you want to play and I went oh all right let's go try this and so we played that tournament and I thought oh this is pretty fun so I started to join some local leagues and stuff like that and a bunch of years later um, somebody had set me up with a partner to play darts Ontario and I was unaware that all this new world of playing you know darts was out there um, so I started in 2006 playing Darts Ontario, and it's a singles and a doubles uh, event. And uh, the first year we made it to play in the provincials, um, and then I came in top 64 in my first year. And the second year in 2006, I actually made Team Ontario. And from there, I just loved it and ran with it. So 2006 was when you started playing sort of events around Canada, but. Something I did want to touch on, when I posted about, you know, the, the Canadian event, certainly for the men, Jeff Smith replied to me and said something along the lines of, it's quite hard sort of travelling around Canada to, to the events. Is that something you've found as well over the years? Well, it's definitely um, a challenge. Um, I only make probably a, a minor amount of actually tournaments because it's, <laughs> you know, Canada is such a, uh, you know, lots of uh, traveling space um, to go to. So like I can't fly to like the Klondike or the, um, you know, any of the, a lot of the other provinces because it's, it's very far. So I make the locals like within most of the Ontario because Ontario is quite large, uh, Quebec. Um, I actually <laughs> went as far one time just to drive 11 hours each way to New Brunswick for a tournament because I knew I needed some ranking points for that one. Um, so yeah, the drive times, are quite extensive. Uh, like I said, just 11 hours one way to go to New Brunswick and back. But um, it, it's expensive to fly around and stuff, and that's just not possible at this time for me. So I do what I can. Hmm. You, you're you from Ontario, as you mentioned. 
Is Ontario, yeah. would you say, is that the sort of strongest province for darts? Is that where darts is most popular? Believe it or not, yeah. yes, it is. Um, when we play the Ontario shoots just for um, the province, um, there's probably anywhere from two to 300 women that, you know, qualify. So we all get into one venue uh, on a weekend, usually Easter weekend to play, where, you know, there's other provinces that they play like a one small tournament and they make their team for their province. So it, it's definitely one of the most challenging ones is Ontario. So your first sort of WDF ranking title came in 2019 and that was the, the Quebec Open. How do you reflect on that event? Well, winning the Quebec Open was definitely one of the you know highlights of what I've done so far. Um, and then to realize that with that came an invitation to the, um, the World Masters, which was I was like, oh my, here we go. This is going to start uh, some great things. It, it was a goal after that to say, okay, this is where I'm going to go. And I really wanted to make it uh, that I'm going to, my goal is to go to the lakeside and play in the Worlds. Um, you know, being that I did go um, to play in the mass, uh, sorry, the World Cup, this is definitely one of the things on my site was to go to the lakeside and play on the big stage because I watch it on TV all the time and I watch, you know, all the, the men play and it's really exciting and I watch the women play and it's like, yeah, that's what I want to do as well. 2019, later that year, you did represent Canada at the, the World Cup in Romania. What are your standout memories from, from that trip? Uh, there is plenty. Um, it was so amazing just to represent Canada playing in the, like, the World Cup. It was very humbling. Um, I was so honoured to represent my country. As well, meeting the great talent that was up there as well, like, it was unbelievable. Um, and then to top it off, as you know, the, the ladies team won a bronze medal. And that was like, where else can I go from here? It was just great. But I knew there's way more out there for me to do. And so I started setting my sights on bigger and better things. Well, not, not too long after the World Cup, you did play at the World Masters. So you have you have played in the UK before. And I know... There were some issues with the World Masters with redraws and, and this and that. But what did you take from that experience of playing in the UK for the first time? Um, well, like you said, there was a few, um, you know, things. But what I got out of it was a great experience to realize that, you know, everybody can be beaten, everybody can be, you know, win. So it's a matter of setting your sights and, and doing what you do best in a sense. It was great. I met some wonderful people over there. I even got the honor to meet Trina Gulliver and Leisha Aston, which was amazing. Like you said, with that, I was surprised at the very short format. I think that was the, one of the things that I did take away from there was, you know, it was a long way to travel, but the, the program was really short and not really a lot of practice area. Venue was a little small, but nonetheless, it was still an amazing experience and uh, looking forward to do it and doing it again. So when it comes to playing at the the lakeside, there are sort of two things that I, I want to ask you. First of all, have you got a, a nickname? Well, <laughs> over the years I've had a few. Nothing really stuck. Um, the only thing that uh, kind of people would refer to is my initials are DVS, so Darlene Van Sluen. Um, and it kind of, if you say it fast enough, it's devious. <laughs> so, <laughs> but really no nicknames as of yet. Okay. 
And the other thing is that you'll obviously have to have a, a walk-on to the stage. So have you thought about what song you'd like to use? Um, well, I've been going through a whole bunch. So the whole family's kind of working on that. Had a few that I shot down, but um, I'll definitely have one just in case for sure. <laughs> Before the end of the year, there's no more WDF ranking events in Canada, but how are you going to keep yourself busy in terms of darts? How are you going to keep your practice up between now and January? Um, well, definitely going to be putting some more hours on the board that I have set up at home, for sure. Going to try and look up some good practice routines, that kind of thing, be it doing that uh, probably on a nightly basis. Um, there is a few local tournaments that are going to be in the area. There's a few in the Quebec area that I'll be joining as well. Um, but I think the one thing that does help me improve my darts is that I do play in a singles league, and I'm the only female that actually plays with the men. So <laughs> that helps a lot. Well, I, I personally think it's it's great that you've qualified and that the WDF have expanded the ladies' competition so that there is regional representation from, from all over the world because in the past, obviously, it was mostly UK-based players that qualified. Yes, because, as you said, you know, like with being in the UK, there's so many more tournaments and more ranking uh, tournaments that they can hit in, in a shorter time because of just space-wise. Um, as opposed to Canada, where, you know, for us to just do all that and hit different country um, opens um, is almost like impossible unless, you know, <laughs> you're rich. <laughs> but uh, so we do what we can over here just to make sure that we're still representing. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Darlene. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best when you make your Lakeside debut in January. Thank you very much. And I do appreciate you uh, doing the interview. It's great. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Darlene. I really enjoyed talking to her. I look forward to, to seeing her compete at Lakeside in January, where she'll be just the third Canadian woman to, to play on the iconic Frimley Green stage after Maria Mason in 2015 and Patricia Farrell in 2017. After we finished recording, Darlene told me a great story from the Quebec Open last year, where she was runner-up. She explained that the room where the stage finals took place was pretty small and pretty tightly packed and the audience in there were quite quiet while they were throwing. As she went to hit the what would have been the title winning double, somebody's phone went off really loudly and it threw her off her stride completely and in the end Samantha Gibbons ended up winning the event and it reminded me of a few years ago at the England Open when Daryl Fitton was on for a nine data and the tannoy went off about a misparked car as he was on his last throw. One region where it remains to be seen who the regional qualifiers for Lakeside will be is New Zealand. The ongoing COVID restrictions there mean that the last two events of the year, the Alan King Memorial and the Ted Clements Memorial, have both been cancelled. That means that New Zealand will only have had four events in the current season, and that's below the threshold of the five mandated in the WDF regulations to permit regional qualifiers for the world championship i'm unsure what will transpire obviously rules are rules but in these uncertain times i'm sure you know exceptions possibly could be made and and it would be a shame if those new zealand players were to to miss out because they'd be a fantastic addition to the the tournament both the men's and the ladies uh but back to canada and and this week's second guest brenda moreau she won the, the klondike open this year 12 years after first making the final at the event, uh, but she won it this time thanks to a 4-2 win over Michelle Spicer. 
When I spoke to Brenda, we discussed her first ranking title, the emotional phone call with her father after finding out she qualified for the World Masters, how she got into darts originally, the decline of the darts scene in the Northwest Territories, and her Indigenous background. I am now delighted to be joined by the 2021 Klondike Open champion, Brenda Moreau. Brenda, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's good to have you on the show. Congratulations on your win at the, the Klondike last weekend. How do you reflect on that win now a week on? It was a, a tough room when I'm walking in, and looking back now, it uh, I'm still shocked that I won. <laughs> I, I surprise myself. I usually walking into the tournament, I have goals that I set for myself and I try not to disappoint myself and making sure that I'm staying steady on the board. But this time I walked in and had no expectations. So I think I did very well. <laughs> well, definitely. Would you say that your win in the final over Michelle Spicer, would you say that was your strongest performance of the tournament? No, I actually had some very close calls on the floor. Michelle Spicer and I have played against each other many times at different tournaments around Canada, but that wasn't my strongest game. I think we both played well on stage, but I watched her play on the floor earlier, and she played phenomenal. I played very well. I had some very tough games earlier on that I had to come back and win the game, but I think I played better on the floor. Being on stage kind of makes me very nervous and I honestly think I did better on the floor. Winning that event qualifies you for the WDF World Masters next year in the Netherlands and I saw on Facebook that winning and qualifying that led to quite an emotional phone call for you to your parents. Can you talk to me about that? <laughs> yeah, um, every year when I come to the Klondike I'm normally, I'm sorry, normally, I reside in the Northwest Territories. So I always come down to the Klondike. This has been an annual event for me just because I've always told myself I want to get that invite. I've played in the America's Cup. I've played in the Canadian Open. I've always tried to get an invite. And I have been joint, sec, uh, joint third Many, many times I've come in second. Never have I taken a first at an event where you get an invite. So going into this tournament this time, that was one of the expectations I didn't even think of this time. I just went in peaceful, calm. I just wanted to be there for myself, not so much for for my, my territory. Because usually when I go into play, I am representing the NWT. But going into this tournament, I'm like, I'm just going to go in and have some fun. There'll be no problem. So when I'm on stage, I win the match. We're doing a congr congratulations to everybody. They're taking their photos. And one of the ladies at the table said, congratulations on your invite. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, you get an invite to the Masters. I'm like, what are you talking about? She had to repeat it a couple of times. And then I started bawling. And I'm like, I forgot I literally forgot. That wasn't even in my mind starting the tournament because I'm sure that'll make a difference if I thought about that, if that was one of my goals, that I'm out to win this just to get the Masters, the invite, and this time it wasn't. I just went into play and play well for myself. So it was a different mindset going into the game and having that afterwards was quite a shock. So I come down the stairs, 
go see my spouse. I said, I got to call my dad. And then calling my dad, I was great. I, I bawled a little bit on stage, but call, calling my dad was like, I lost it. I couldn't stop crying. My dad was laughing at me, and he says, good job, Brent. Proud of you. This is great. So for me, that was the first person I really wanted to call was my dad. That's lovely. The Klondike is in Edmonton in Alberta, but from what you're saying, you're you're not based in Alberta. You're based in the NWT. Um, I'm I reside in the NWT, but I'm in Alberta right now. My house flooded in the springtime due to the Mackenzie flooding our little island called Fort Simpson. So my house is under repairs right now. So I'm staying with my boyfriend in Edmonton. Uh huh. Okay. But my end goal is to end eventually move to Edmonton. Is the the NWT is what's the kind of darts like there? So in my home community of Fort Simpson, our Fort Simpson Dart Society clubhouse went from twenty two to three. Just it, there's just not enough interest in darts. There's a lot of traveling, and it's really expensive to go to tournaments. I'm very grateful that I'm funded by the whole community for all the events that I go to. They fundraise for me all the time. So if I'm going to the Klondike, the Snowflake, uh, the GVO, any tournament across Canada, I just put it out there that I'm fundraising and they back me up. They pay for my flights, my accommodations, fuel if I'm driving. So it's really nice. But our community for darts has gone down dramatically. So the three players that I have left are Kenny, Steve, and myself. Kenny moved to Edmonton, so for a while it was just Steve and myself. So we weren't even going to the pub to play darts anymore. We were just going to my house or his house to play against each other, and that was all I was getting for playing. In the NWT, the Territorial Darts Association has also been diminishing in numbers, but we have our playoffs once a year, usually in March. So I get to see the whole team twice a year at the Territorials as well as the NDFC final tournament in June. Hmm. So yeah, it, our, our numbers are diminishing, but we have some good players. It's still nice to have new blood come in and hopefully see numbers increase in the NWT. It would be really nice. Hmm, for sure. So looking back for you then, what were your first experiences with darts? I was living in Yellowknife for a while, and then I moved back to Fort Simpson in 93. And my dad called me up. He says, hey, Brian, do you want to go out tonight? I'm like, sure. He says, I'll pick you up. So he picked me up, and we went to the pub, and we were, there was, I think, 18 people there. And he says, do you know how to play darts? I'm like, nope. He goes, just throw the stick at the wall. And I started playing. And by the end of the night, I was hooked. And that was September 93, and I would say by February 94, I want this. I want to be really good at this, so I practice and practice a lot more. I've been playing quite strongly since. I had some really good mentors, my dad, Steve Gooderham, Derek Mould, who's passed on now. Those three men put a lot of time and effort into me getting really good, teaching me outs early on in the game, so... Yeah, I've been playing for a while. When you kind of first started playing in the, in the pub that night and, and after that, what was it about darts that you enjoyed the most? I, I don't know. I think it's, uh, I like beating the boys. <laughs> 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 There's just uh, a handful of women in the group. When 
when you're playing with the women, it's a social game. You're talking, but when you beat, when you're playing against the boys, they drive you stronger. They're throwing really phenomenal big numbers, and their outs were on par. I'm like, I need to be at that level. I want to be able to beat them all the time. So for me, it was just a mental game of beating them. <laughs> so that drove me to be a stronger player. So in 2008, you played in the America's Cup for Canada in Trinidad and Tobago, which must have been lovely. But how did you actually qualify for the Canadian team that year? So they had the America's Cup qualifier at the Nationals in June every year. So we have our tournament the first weekend, um, and then our main play on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the America's Cup qualifier on the Fridays. And to, in order to get the America's Cup qualifier, you have to be first or second in your territory or province to get that invite to play on that day. So they send out the invite mid-May, then you have to send in your response if you're going to play in the America's Cup, and then they have that small tournament. It's a, a very strong group of women that play in that, and it's always tough to win because you play them on the weekend before, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you see their play. You know how strong they are. You see their rankings, and you see where they finish. Playing them on a separate day for something as prestigious as the America's Cup was tough. But I played very well that week, and I had made sure that I had practiced two to three hours every day for three months prior to getting to the America's Cup qualifier. It was my goal to at least get first or second. So I think I got second in the qualifier, and Kim Whaley, Hiltz, and myself ended up representing for Canada going to America's Cup qualifier. Well, at that America's Cup, you got to the, the semis of the ladies' singles. What are your standout memories from the, the America's Cup in 2008? I don't remember the lady's name that I played for joint third, but she was a doll. She was so kind, so nice, very kind. She was just... I think that overall represented all of the islands. Like, every player that we played was very kind, very genuine. The whole tournament itself was run smoothly, and it was really nice to see the representations from all the countries that were there. I think that game went to... I think we played all the matches. I think it was 5-4 was the end, and... It was a really good game. It was, I'm going to have to admit, I didn't even know that it was in the semifinals at that point. I didn't. <laughs> we were playing, we are playing, we are playing, and I think Mary Dezan at that point chose not to tell me that this was the semifinals. I was, she says, come on, Brenda, you're up at the board next. And I went up to the board, played my game, went back to the room, and then that's how it just went. <laughs> And then afterwards, Kim Willie Hilt comes up and she goes, congratulations, you did really very well for joint third. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, that was the semifinals. And that's when the nerves hit in. I couldn't stop shaking. And everybody kept coming up and shaking my hand. I'm like, I, I was uh, I was a little in shock. Mary Dezad, she's a good coach, I tell you. <laughs> Obviously, because of the, the pandemic, the season was quite strange. And there was only one WDF event in Canada in, in 2021. But across the events last year... And this year, you finished second overall in the, the regional ladies' table, just one point behind Darlene Van Sluen at the top. So I'm sure that gives you massive motivation for, for next year's event. 
I honestly, I was not aware. I haven't checked the NDFC or the WDF sites at all for where the rankings are. I knew going in because of COVID into this tournament that there was no ranking sheet um, coming in that we were all just fresh players coming in. Because normally when I come into a tournament, because I'm usually in the top eight on the NDFC site, I usually get placed at the top of the sheets and there you go. But this time I think I was fourth on the sheet. I'm like, doesn't bother me. Those are just numbers. We're all fighting for ranking right now. So when you messaged me and let me know that I was second on the WDF, I was a little surprised. I think I should start checking that a little bit more often. Outside of darts, I know that you do a lot of sewing and you sell your products and stuff and they look fantastic. But a lot of it's sort of traditional and in indigenous designs. Do you have a, an indigenous background yourself? I, I do. I am indigenous. Um, my mom is from Fort Simpson. Uh, our our band office is Liliquet First Nations, and we are both members of the band. And my father is non-Indigenous, and he's from Winnipeg, Manitoba. But most of the artwork that I do, I try to create in Indigenous design or using uh, the Masari scarf or the Granny Hanky scarf is what we call it in mo most of my products. I tend to work with a lot of moose hide. I don't bead. My eyes can't handle it. I do like working in clothing and texture designs, so that's my niche. Obviously, you were saying that, you know, in your, in your local community, you know, Fort Simpson, that the numbers are down, but since you, you've been in Edmonton, I know COVID's been, you know, an issue and whatever, but since you've been there, how regularly have you been playing darts? Are you in any leagues or anything? COVID put a lot of restrictions. The government of Alberta uh, updates their restrictions once a month. So we were lucky for the past two years that the restrictions were tight and nobody was allowed to play darts, but they lifted those this summer and Legion have started their leagues, uh, Singles League have started up. Some tournaments are still in play. Uh, I went to the NDFC website yesterday to see what else is coming up for tournaments. They're very few compared to what there have been in the past. So I'm enjoying playing more often. Because when I was in Simpson, I was only playing by myself most days. Or Steve would come over every second Wednesday and we'd play for two or three hours. But being here, uh, Fred Seward is my spouse and he and I play every day. So just having somebody to play competitive darts with has upped my mental game, my numbers, my strength. Being here has really definitely helped. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Brenda. I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best of luck next year. And I look forward to hopefully seeing you at the Masters the end of next year. <laughs> thank you, Andrew. I hope you seek me out and come shake my hand. It would be nice to meet you. It was lovely chatting to Brenda. And now she's got that first ranking title under her belt. I expect we'll be seeing quite a lot more of her name at the top end of events in 2022. Two more players sealed lakeside qualification this past weekend in Bridlington in the gold-graded British Open, Scott Marsh and Fallon Sherrock. Fallon was always likely to qualify anyway through the top eight ranking, but she made sure of it by winning her first title of the year in the British Open, defeating good friend and her pairs partner, Corinne Hammond, 5-2 in the final. In the men's event, Scott Marsh produced a brilliant comeback to deny Connor Scott in the final. Connor had been 5-2 up before Scott turned it round, winning it 6-5 with a brilliant 11 data and, of course, that big celebration leaping off the stage. You know, neither Scott 
nor Connor had qualified for Lakeside before, and I think it demonstrated the real value that the golden ticket element uh, of the gold events the WDF have introduced for this year. You know, it gives players something more to work towards. It means that you only need to catch lightning in a bottle on one day to qualify for the World Championship. Whereas in the past, you could play consistently well all year, but end up missing out on the, the World Championship through the rankings. But, you know, Scott and Connor both played really well. Saw earlier today that Connor's off to the, the Welsh Open. It'll be very dangerous there. And, you know, now Scott sealed a lakeside debut. And if he shows the kind of grit and determination he did against Connor and against Mike Warburton in the semi-finals, he's going to be a very dangerous player and, and someone that people aren't going to want to come up against in that set format because he's just not going to go away. The other two titles in the British Open weekend went to Scotland internationals Lorraine Hyde and Jim McEwen, who beat Denise Cassidy and Rhys Hayden respectively in the finals of the silver-graded British Classic. Jim's 160 to, to win the men's Classic got a big roar out of me, and I was particularly delighted for him, having spoken to him before and knowing him reasonably well. He actually told me earlier today that he won't be in Killarney when I am in, in November for the Irish Open because he's doing the World Seniors Qualifier that weekend. And to be honest, I don't think he's a bad bet to come through that qualifier. The other main talking point from the British Open weekend was the use of Dark Connect fully for the first time in a WDF event. It's been used at World Cups before and it was used in Denmark uh, for, for the Denmark Open at the start of this month. But that was only for certain portions of the tournament and the stage games. Whereas in Bridlington, it was used for every game, whether that was youth, pairs, the international trial, the British Classic, the British Open. Every game was on Dark Connect, which I think was brilliant. Uh, obviously, it was first used for the international trial on the Friday and the pairs, which was fine. There were a lot of issues with the Classic on the Saturday, and there was a lot of stick for those issues on social media. Obviously, I wasn't there, so it's very hard for me to, to comment, but to me, the comparisons with the BDO seemed a little ridiculous. It was the first time using the technology for many of the officials there, uh, and based on comments I've seen and things I've read, David from Dark Connect was actually there, and he seemed to be struggling to get to grips with the issue as well. You know, could just have been one of those things. Gremlins do exist with technology, and you know we've all encountered them at some point. But there were no issues on the Sunday for the British Open uh, everything seemed to run pretty smoothly on the, the Dark Connect front and I have to say in my opinion it was a brilliant addition it will take some time but I think it would be wonderful eventually for all territories within the WDF system to implement Dark Connect and get their players and events the recognition they deserve with the platform that Dark Connect is able to provide the other event to take place this past weekend was the highly popular Virginia Beach Classic over in the United States. The titles went to Marley's Keel and Leonard Gates. Uh, Leonard Gates was absolutely brilliant throughout the tournament. Beat Danny Lowry 6-1 in the final and averaged 102. And earlier in the competition, it averaged 113 against Larry Butler in a performance that saw him banging a nine-data. Brilliant stuff from Leonard and you know he's got a very good chance of possibly winning the Seacoast Open in November which offers a golden ticket to Lakeside but generally he's in a very good position to, to come in the top two American spots to earn a Lakeside debut at the beginning of next year. Talking of Lakeside, tickets for the event are now on sale uh, and you can kind of hear more about the WDF's plans in my recent interview with the WDF Secretary General Nick Rolls. There are words from me about all the gold events 
uh, on the WDF website and you'll be able to kind of follow the ranking tables closely throughout the season courtesy of the updates provided by our friends at the Weekly Darts Cast. Thank you very much to Darlene and Brenda for their time on this week's show and thank you very much for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated as always. I'll be back next week with three more great guests and there'll be a review of the Welsh Open and Welsh Classic. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page, Inside the WDF. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, stay safe.